0: So, Elder Mark Chris Thomas uh, gave me an open topic. Um, and open topics are cool, but they're kind of scary, because it's like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to preach on? <laughs> and like, I had like four topics running through my head um, over the last couple of weeks. I had um, His Mercies Are New Every Morning, um, but I'm not speaking on that, so just remember His Mercies Are New Every Morning. Um, <clears throat> I had... Uh something that I shared about a few weeks ago, briefly, John 4, 1, um, now the Pharisees thought saw that Jesus was baptizing uh, more people than John, though in fact it wasn't John who was baptized, it wasn't Jesus who was baptizing, it was his disciples. So just remember, um, you guys are called to baptize people, because um, I'm not speaking on that today. Um, and there were a couple other things as well that I was thinking about speaking on, but Over the last couple of days, I just got hit with a real conviction, I believe, from the Lord that um, the Lord wanted me to speak about fatherlessness and about Him being our Father. So, we're going to talk about that today. I love my earthly dad, he has always been there for Mum, my three siblings, and I. Right from the moment when Mum became pregnant with me, unexpectedly, and uh, albeit at an un- inconvenient time, I'm told, as they were wanting to wait until after Dad had finished his degree, and fair enough, too. Dad has been there to provide for the family, working long, hard hours, prepared to discipline us when we need it, um, and uh, I needed it a lot, let me tell you. Uh, I don't know how I would have survived under these anti-smacking laws, eh? Hey? <laughs> I, w- I, turned turned, I would have turned out a very different kid. Um, (coughs) Dad made a point of spending time with us, one-on-one. There would be these little adventures once in a while, something like once a year, that would involve going and doing something exciting with Dad. Mum used to call these little excursions date with Dad, a phrase that I sought to avoid using the longer I got. Uh, Sorry, the older I got. But they were always cherished times. Dad wasn't distant, he was present present around the dinner table almost every night. He would make a point of doing a little Bible study with the family and try and include us kids in it by asking us hard questions and making us think. Um, Dad always took his love for the Lord very seriously and constantly had a lot on his plate for church and ministry, worship leading, ownership meetings, Christian charity meetings and preaching. He's always been there for advice in the tough times. He was there to bring godly wisdom. He loved mum well, working hard to be romantic and uh, committed in his love for her, making a point of spontaneous and planned date nights where possible. I'm sure that as soon as I was 14, they were off, eh? (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Although, actually, I think they were off a lot more when you turned 14, Katie, because uh, you were definitely the better babysitter. Um, Actually, a few of my uh, old old school babysitters are here, I think, Um, from the early days. He would try to take mum away at least once a year for a romantic getaway. Although to be fair, it often felt like William, our youngest sibling, got special treatment as he was too little to stay behind for a lot of those overseas trips. So we got to go away. Your egg. I was always jealous. <laughs> um, I was never in a position to doubt my dad's love for mum and us kids. Dad made sure of it. Even in the moments he had to discipline me, I still knew he loved me. You still keep me clothed, warm, and safe. Though my dad was always strong and to be feared if I did something wrong uh, and seemed so much bigger than me, he was still approachable. I could still spend time with him. But more importantly than all these wonderful things, Dad taught us that we were fearfully and wonderfully made by our Father in heaven, God Almighty. I want to honor you today, Dad. Thanks for being an awesome dad. However, so many young people, so many of us here, so many of our friends and family grow up with entirely different experiences with their fathers, or lack thereof. As we all know, fatherlessness in our little nation is a real problem. As at 2001, so imagine what the statistics are now, As at 2001, New Zealand had the developed world's highest rate of births outside of marriage at 44%, and the third highest teenage birth rate after the USA and the UK, and nearly a third of all children grow up in fatherless homes. In the United States, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. And on the 15th of June this year, it was reported by UNICEF in the Guardian, a UK newspaper, that New Zealand has by far the highest rate of youth suicide in the developed world. Everything about these statistics ring forth loudly of poverty, a poverty of hope, a poverty of resource, a poverty of family, a poverty of parents, a poverty of spirit. This is not our heavenly Father's heart for humanity. I spoke to a friend of our church who speaks a bit here, Christian brother Peter Funger this week, and he said something very interesting to me. He said, earthly fathers are the visible link we have to our heavenly father, God. I've Got a little video for us to watch.
1: Yes. You either are one, you know one, are dating one, married to one, or raising one. So let's use a little technology here to drive this home. If you've been affected by fatherlessness, I want you to raise your phone light in the air. Can y'all do that? Look at that. Look at Stars that. Stars in the night. So, one of the best things I've heard on our series on fatherlessness is. Every child has a hole in their soul in the shape of their father if their father is missing. How do we then begin to fill up the hole, Bishop? I think one of the things, we first have to acknowledge that there is a hole. And and many times in the process of acknowledging that it is a hole, we try to fill it with things that do not work. Drugs and sex and the things that we've talked about earlier in previous shows but then to begin to fill that, that vacancy, that void with something positive. One of the things we can do, for example, is begin to give what we didn't get. Mm. To give what we didn't get. There is a law of reciprocity called give and it shall be given unto you again. So in the process of giving out what you want, it comes back to you. Can you give it though? Can you be a great father if you didn't have a role model for fathering. Can you give what you don't have? What, what you do is give the love, because holes in our hearts suggest to us that we are somehow inadequate. We're talking about filling that void begins with relationship, intimacy, giving back, pouring out to somebody that affection attention. The discipline is an ongoing process. In, if, whether you had a father or didn't, parenting is something that doesn't come with the textbook. You You learn as you go. And I think sometimes we're so afraid that we're not going to do it right that we don't do it at all. Mm -hmm. The second thing I think that's very, very important to realize is that you may not get it from the place you thought it should come, but God has an amazing way of subsidizing what you didn't get. Through what I like to call surrogate fathers.
0: Through what I like to call surrogate fathers. Yeah, I just thought that was a great video. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. How heart-wrenching was it to see so many cell phones in the air in that stadium? Crazy. Genesis chapter 1. Right here in the beginning, we read about God Almighty as He creates the earth and all living things in it. Walking through, to chap- through chapter 1 to verse 24, we see that God makes light and creates the first days. He separates light from the darkness. He makes space between the sea and the water, and He calls the space sky. Between the sea and the sky, sorry. And he calls the expanse sky. He separates dry ground from the sea and calls it land. He makes the land produce vegetation, plants and trees that bear fruit. He creates the sun and the moon, lights to govern the day and the night. He makes the sea teem forth with living creatures. The sky flourishes with birds. And in verse 24, the land he populates with an abundance of living creatures, animals, livestock and insects. And he calls it good. And it is into this abundance, from this abundance, out of this abundance, where there is no lack of resource whatsoever, no poverty, but just hope, life, freedom, creativity, a lavishness of resource that God says in verse 25, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and then there was morning, the sixth day. I love how It's at this point and only at this point that God says it was very good. To me, this rings forth with something so beautiful. God is saying that everything he created before creating humanity was in expectation for the wonder of creating Adam and Eve. Otherwise, no one is very good. When speaking of my earthly dad before, I wanted to give you an idea of what it was like growing up in that environment at home. Obviously, I was blessed. I felt secure and provided for. But it's so important for us to understand that the first man ever made was not created or born at the whim or desire of a man. He did not obtain his identity from his earthly father, but rather through and by the very will of God. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. This is so massive because it means that Adam's very essence came from God breathing life into him. If we look at the original Hebrew language, the word used for this word breath is neshama, Referring to the spirit of a man. So whilst we have the DNA of our parents, whether we know our parents or we don't, their DNA was formed from the earth. But our very essence, our spirit, is actually directly from God himself. I want to tell you something today. You are not solely the result of your father and mother choosing to bring you forth. You are more than that. You are a human being created in the image of God on purpose. And it was God's will that you would exist and be here today. You are valuable. You are loved. And you are on purpose. You know how I know this? Turn with me to Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. When as yet there was none of them. Thank you, Father. How many people in your workplace do you think don't know that they're on purpose? How many people at your university don't? realize that they were made on purpose? How many people in your extended family don't realize that they were made on purpose? It's a travesty that people don't know that they are made on purpose. I remember a wee while ago I had the pleasure of leading someone to the Lord and all I did was read out that psalm. Brother, you're made on purpose. Sister, you're made on purpose. This is the hole that people have in their hearts. This is why we've got 63% of youth suicides happening from broken homes where there's no father because they don't know who they are. They don't know where they've come from. They don't know why they're here. They don't know that there's so much more than the physical. There's the eternal. Thank you, Lord. There is a a fantastic two-sermon series by a preacher called Anley Stanley called Prayer. Permission to Speak Freely. It's on YouTube, and I totally recommend watching it. Anyway, he touches on a matter that's just so awesome. In Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples, teaching them how to pray. He says that they should pray in private, go into their room and pray to their father, who is unseen. Then their father, or our father, because we're his disciples too, who sees what is done in secret will reward us. Jesus then says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father. Can we just take a second to capture the magnitude of those two words? This is the creator of the universe. This is God Almighty. Holy, awesome, all-powerful, and He says, pray to me by starting with our Father. Imagine imagine if we were told to start praying to God with the words, our Master, you know? It's not, it's not how God wants us to approach Him. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. We need to know what it's like to come God as a father, sorry, as, as our father, as children. It reminds me of times I rocked out to the garage as a kid where I could find Dad sitting in his little office that he built onto the side of the garage, knowing I could just interrupt him doing something important and I'd just say, Hey Dad, do you know how to say, Hey Dad, to your father in heaven? How many kids in New Zealand need to know what that feels like? How many kids do you know? They need to know what that feels like. It reminds me of the beginning of creation where we're told that God would walk with Adam and Eve during the call of the day. Andy Stanley in his, in his message explains that the Lord's Prayer is made up of crucial, crucial truths that should be understood collectively. If taken out of context, one section can actually be detrimental. So make sure that you approach God in the right way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could risk being played by a fear of his holiness and awesomeness if we just focused on hallowed be, but instead he's like, I'm holy, I'm awesome, but I want to be a father. He wants to walk with us in the call cool of the day, to have relationship with us, to provide for us, to care for us, and to love us. It's cool because just a few verses later in, in the same chapter, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the year. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can, they, can any one of you, by worrying Because your heavenly Father knows that you need these things, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So, so far, I want us to be considering a couple of things. Firstly, God is our Father. This is the relational example He chose, He chooses to approach us with. It's just mind-boggling. If you're struggling to relate to this aspect of God's character and His relationship with you, It's real important that you seek prayer for this area of your life. Um, Us leaders and the elders would love to pray pray for you, pray with you about that, today or any time. Two, earthly fathers, especially in the church, should seek to imitate God and His love for us so that they can lead and disciple their children and fellow brothers and sisters into a relationship with God. So what if you grew up without a father? Or you know someone who's growing up without a father? Well, as Bishop T.D. Jakes said, surrogate fathers are so important. Godly men that can fill this void for our young people and godly women who can identify a need for a father in a young person's life and pair them with a surrogate father. I want to tell you a couple of stories. First story is about my granny, Verna. She is 76 years old this year. When she was just a few weeks old, her dad, Ernest, my grandfather, was drafted to go to war. He left for nine months of training, came back for a few months and then went to war. He was was gone for almost three years. He came back and worked on the farm. But when little Verna, my granny, was seven years old, Her dad was driving a tractor on a steep hill near Balclutha in the South Island, and the the tractor tipped and crushed him, and he died. It was devastating for Verna, her mother, and the family. So devastating that Ernest's father died of shock a few weeks later. But her family gathered around them and supported them immensely. Granny was telling me this week that she had two surrogate fathers growing up. She had her dad, sorry, sorry her granddad, her mum's dad, who was a kind and quiet soul. He would always gather the cousins together at night for prayer time when they were around and would would always read the Bible every night. And when he wasn't reading the Bible to his family, he would be quietly sitting on his chair reading the Bible to himself. Granny says that he taught... Her patience, quietness in a healthy way, generosity. He would always be sending money to missionaries. But on the other hand, Granny had another surrogate dad, her uncle Peter, a strong, faithful man who taught her how to do practical things like use tools, change a car tire, and shoot a gun. Um, they were on a farm. Interestingly, her auntie Maud who was married to Uncle Peter, was the one that actually taught her how to drive a car. By the way, I do not, in this message, want to negate the importance of mothers, okay? Mothers are equally as important as fathers. Totally, totally. Um, and I think, actually, the father heart is for mothers and fathers to fill that void together of needing a father. It's a team effort. It's a team effort. <sighs> Granny said that her mother received what was in those days called the widow's benefit. However, she doesn't remember serious input from anyone else outside her immediate family, which confused her as a young girl because she read the scripture in James 1.27, which says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Are you religious according to the Scriptures? Because that's being religious. I would have to say that in my life, I have not been religious enough. Imagine, imagine if that's what the word meant, you know. When someone asks you if you're religious, you say, yes, I, I so I spend all my time caring for widows and orphans. I don't know, it's an amazing concept and something that I think we've lost. And something I've been thinking about as well is that in New Zealand we have this idea, I think it's subconscious, that if someone's getting assistance from the government through our taxes, getting the benefit or something, they're okay, you know? That's our caring for widows and orphans. We do it as a nation. What a load of crock, you know? It's it's not... It's not just money that people need. We should be sharing our money. It's our time. It's that kid in youth group who you know is never going to learn to drive a car because there's no one to teach them. Who's that kid? It's that kid that never had a dad because he left, went overseas uh, when he was three. What can you do for that kid? The second story I want to tell you is about a good friend of mine from youth group days. I'll call him Mike from the pur- for the purpose of the story. I remember when I was at Raharoa, um this kid Mike was there, and um, and my syndicate went away on a camp to Teapot Valley in in Nelson. And Mum, were you Mike's leader? Yeah, and I remember we just we we talked about how Mike must have come from a hard t- situation because he was quite naughty, eh? Yeah, and I remember what Mum said to me when Mum saw this kid and saw yeah he was a bit ruckus and by a bit I mean really ruckus. Um, Mum said he, she just started praying for him, and that was really cool. They had an impact on me, and. um and the interesting thing is that mum saw something there that I couldn't see because I was just a kid, you know. Anyway, my friend Kevin invited Mike along to a youth group at the street. It was called Jam. And uh, and Mike became a Christian. And it's awesome. He became a Christian. It was so cool. And he, he's been part of, of church life and, and Christian life ever since. He... Is now married with two kids of his own, and it's awesome. But Mike's story is that when he was a kid, his parents split, and it wasn't nice at all. And his dad went overseas and never really came back, and he hardly ever saw his dad, um, apart from when his dad died a few years ago. I called Mike yesterday, and I spoke to him, and I, I said, "Bro, do you mind if I share your story?" He's like, nah, sweet ass and he's. And I said, what was it like being brought into Christian circles? And he said, man, um, uh, with regards to not having a a dad around, and he said, man, it was just amazing. eh? I I feel like I had multiple surrogate parents. I, I had my youth leader. I had Nick Field, the pastor at the street, and I had your dad, Sam, Simon. And he said, you know, one of the biggest things for me was I realized that your dad liked cars and would just talk to me about cars. And uh and it just made me feel so loved, basically. And I just that just really just oh, flippin' impacted me because, you know, I had no idea. I just had no idea. Talking to a young fellow about cars, you know? And um the thing, the thing is, I wasn't really into cars as much as Mike was. Um, but, yeah, the fact that he mentioned that to me yesterday really impacted me. So now Mike is, is raising his own two kids. And he said, you know, it's so exciting because I, I get to look on my upbringing and, and consciously choose not to do what my parents did, you know. Not to not to beat me, not to you know old in drugs, not to manage finances terribly, not to be absent, whatever it is. I never, as a kid, understood the impact I had on inviting Mike round for a sleepover. I had no idea what it was meaning for Mike. You have no idea what it means to minister to other kids. I just want to honor for a second everyone who takes Sprite. That's our youth group here. Can you guys just stand up? Everyone? I just want to pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for our youth leaders. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name you would give them your heart for the youth of Wellington. Thank you for the blessing that you've been giving them. And the youth group, as it's been growing, it's just been so awesome. I pray that we just continue. We, uh, we rebuke fatherlessness and, and motherlessness, and we rebuke um, anything that would just hurt a kid. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would come and heal those wounds and fill those wounds yourself, personally, as our Heavenly Father. We pray that Northern Hills Church in Sprite would be a sanctuary for kids that don't have dads or mums. In Jesus' name. Can we just give those guys a round of applause? Because they work so hard. So hard. Mike's story reminds me of Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. This is in the second chapter of the book of Joel. The situation here is that the nation of Israel is going through bad times. They are experiencing judgment and devastation because of their wrongdoings. But God promises if they turn back to following him, they'll not only fix their situation, but also restore the years. So the idea that God restores things and draws us to him and that he can restore years is just epic. I love that years that's amazing I think of of the number of years of of mike's life that the the locusts ate, you know, just stolen from him you know and um it's amazing my granny she said i'm seventy six years old, and as far as my 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 father is concerned, even though he died, I do not feel like I want for anything I feel like through surrogate fathers and through God himself. I'm sorted. I've been blessed. So whatever you did not receive growing up, love, instruction, protection, can be replaced and restored. You can get it because God can give it if you commit to him. I think of Paul, a man known as Christian Hunter. He would literally hunt Christians down and kill them in the name of God during the early church times. He became known for this and feared by the early church, and yet God met him and touched him and restored the years the locusts have eaten. He became the most influential apostle of all apostles, and I don't know how many Christians he was responsible for killing, hundreds, perhaps thousands, not sure, but it was terrible. Now, so what's amazing is that in Paul's first letter to Timothy, kind of one of his proteges he was leading, he addresses him as my true son in the faith. We first meet Timothy in Acts 16. That verse was one Timothy. Uh, 1 verse 2, by the way, but we first meet Timothy in Acts 16 when Paul is heading out on his second missionary journey. He stops in Lystra to pick up the young disciple who accompanies him, assists him, and serves him as a sort of apprentice under him. Timothy's biological father was Greek, but no evidence is ever given that he was a Christian. So Paul filled the shoes of a spiritual father to Timothy. God is so amazing that he can go beyond restoring the years the locus of Eden in our lives to actually using us broken, fallible, imperfect people, and in Paul's case, murderers, as instruments to restore the years the locusts have eaten in other people's lives. How crazy is that? Sometimes God has strategically placed us to be surrogate fathers for people who need it. I love what Bishop T.G. Jakes was talking about on that video. He was saying that, give and you shall receive. I've seen brothers of mine, brothers in the faith who have not had fathers or have had rough times with their fathers, become fathers and in so grow in their identity as a father. It's true. It happens. It works. It's awesome. Can we just pause for a second and take a moment to think do you have a cousin, a second cousin, a niece, a nephew, a grandchild, a friend of one of your kids, a youth and sprite you know of who is a Mike? Is God calling you to reach out to them? That's a yes. It's not rhetorical. Well, it is rhetorical, yeah. So. God is calling you to reach out to them. <laughs> is God calling you to teach a young person how to drive a car? Get a job? Do makeup well? Go to the gym? I don't know. What is it? There's something there. Tie their shoelaces. Um, change your tire. Our Father God, who is in heaven, is the answer to our heart, Wrenching youth suicide statistics. At Northern Hills Church, let's make a point of tackling fatherlessness head on with loving young people well. Let's pray, close and pray. Father God, Our hearts ache for fatherlessness, but I know that your heart aches infinitely more so. We pray in Jesus' name that as your people, as your sons and daughters, as Christians, you would break our hearts as your heart is broken and move us to compassion. Whether it's just talking to a young kid about cars or having people around for lunch or just hanging out with them, teaching them how to drive. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would, you would help us to do that. Lord, we're willing to do that. We're willing to make the move. I'm willing to make the move. Show us who you want us to minister to. We thank you for being our Father. We thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord, that has nothing to do with our earthly family, it has everything to do with you and you making us in your image, breathing your spirit into us, Father. And we pray that every, everyone here at Northern Hills would be marked by their identity as a daughter or a son of the Most High God. And we pray that you would help us to be infectious in, in our evangelical nature of that truth, getting it out there. Father, we rebuke the work of of the kingdom of darkness, which is no kingdom at all that tries to break up families and, and get rid of fathers and mothers. I pray in Jesus' name that you would just crush that work in this place, in this community, and that through the work of your people here, people would be restored in their identity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the work you've done in young people's lives like Mike. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.